Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of We Believed You, a paranormal podcast. I'm Michelle. And I'm Eric. And I'm super excited about today's episode. Today we have John Stewart from The Paranormal no. Story. <laughs> I'm just okay. joking, it's Tom Stewart. Ugh, Tom I was Stewart. like, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm glad he's not on here yet. <laughs> oh, God. I did that on okay. purpose. Get it out of your system. Yeah. Tom Stewart. Stewart. Yeah. Tom Tom Stewart Stewart from A Paranormal Story. And let me just tell you um, so I am always listening to paranormal podcasts or true crime. And I was looking for a new podcast to listen to, and his popped up. And immediately, like, I just binged every episode that he had. Like, it was that good. Um, I don't want to, I don't know. I kind of want to wait and until he's on and then kind of talk about him a little bit more um if that's okay yeah that's fine okay um but i wanted to show you something that i made okay i got i got a a cricket and now i'm just cricketing everything like oh it's a no not not like a bug but like the machine oh (laughs) that like crafters like everyone has to make vinyl decals and stuff like that Mm. so i made a vinyl decal of our logo. Our logo. Oh shit! I almost fell <laughs> on this <laughs> on this uh, um, chair that I bought at IKEA because I have a little bit of a different setup. I'm still in the closet, but I'm in our master bedroom closet, so there's a little bit more space. No one needs to see that. Sorry. Uh, and I'm a little bit more comfortable, but I was like, I need a smaller chair because my chair didn't fit in here. That's why I was had this crazy rig before um but yeah so i bought the chair and i was like well i have to make it special it's my podcasting chair and i put our logo on it and i'm so proud of myself well congratulations on your cricket yeah thank you pretty excited so do uh do we want to discuss uh what happened a couple weeks ago with uh dia with the whole um the limpia a couple of weeks did. ago, dude. That was like a couple of days ago. A couple weekends ago. By the Literally time this podcast oh, gotcha. comes okay. out, it's a couple weekends. All right, all right, all right. Um, <clears throat> sure. You want to start? Well, I mean, you went first, so I guess I think you should start now. I mean, I guess, yeah. I um, I so one of our other aunts wanted a uh to have a limpia done, and I was like, you know what? Like, I haven't had one in a very long time, so. Let's get rid of any ojo that I might have. And so she, yeah, did it to me. And I don't know. I felt felt pretty good. She cracked the egg and I had some little wispies in there. And I had an eye eye in the center. So someone gave me ojo. So whoever you are, you suck. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I felt pretty good. I've been feeling pretty good. Can't complain. What about you, bro? Hey, how's, hey, it, going? how's it going? Yep. Yeah. Oh, good. I can hear you. Perfect. We were uh, just chit chatting about something that happened over the weekend, and Eric wanted to share a story. And we're recording, so if you want to jump on oh. in, and then we're gonna introduce right into you. a ghost story. I, I love know, it. right? <laughs> Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, actually, really. Yeah. Um, so, okay, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. So, uh, one one of our our aunts was, you know, like the the egg cleansing. I don't know if you ever heard of that, where they kind of just sweep an egg over your entire body, say a prayer, and then crack it into a oh, cup of water. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, I've never seen it done, but I have heard of that. Okay. Yeah. So it's very popular, I guess, in the Hispanic culture. Hispanic culture. Yeah. So, okay. and that we're Hispanic. So our, our aunt was doing it. She was just like one person after the other, all the family members going into a room and doing it to us. Um, but my brother had a, I had okay experience but he had kind of a weird experience so he was just about to get into what he saw and experienced you want okay. to go <laughs> so yeah so like uh so i was i walked into the room and she closes the door and and like i said i i saw somebody standing there and i freaked out and i kind of like took a double take and i was like well, what's and then and then i realized there was like a um like a sweater or something hanging off the door but i clearly like saw somebody there like you know what i mean mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. so then i laid down in the bed and she's like okay just relax and stuff and and you know she's, she, i'm gonna i'm gonna begin and i said okay so then as she's doing this 
I start thinking of uh, Archangel Michael and Archangel Raphael, right? So she's doing the prayer. I can hear her. She's praying. I know she prayed the Our Father. I don't know what else she prayed, but she's doing all these little crosses and going over my entire body. And then, um, again, I was thinking of Raphael for like healing and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden, she just keeps going over my left shoulder. And I figured, well, I mean, it's the shoulder that's closest to her. But like even even when she went down to my knees and stuff, she didn't like stay mainly on my left knee. She like went to both knees. She but on my on my shoulder, my left shoulder, she was just like constantly she went mm-hmm. over it and over, over it. it and over it and over it. And I was like, okay, well, and and in in my head at the time, it made sense because I have issues with that shoulder. Um, like I just have like it's gets sore all the time. I. I I don't know when I was, whenever I would go to the gym, when I was going to the gym, like I always had issues with outside and stuff like that. So she finished, she told me to go over to my turn over to my side and she starts going down my back and stuff. And, um, we finished. And when, when I got out, I felt a lot lighter. Um, and I asked her, I was like, is there any reason why you focused on this one shoulder? And she goes, no, I, she goes, it's just cause it was closest to me. And I was like, well, that's kind of what I figured, but it's just weird to me that, you focused so much or like you just kept going over that one shoulder because I, you know, I've had issues with that shoulder in the past, you know? And so she did, she cracked the egg and she also saw the eye, the evil eye, I guess is what it would be and translated into in English. And then um, she saw these wispies going up, uh, up in the egg. And apparently that's like the, like people's bad vibes, you know, that they put on you and stuff like that, which again, I, I, have a coworker that um <laughs> that's <laughs> always all throwing her. shade at me yeah i would yeah. not doubt it yeah but uh yeah definitely uh could see how that would be bad vibes um sure. but yeah she did that and and i actually i haven't felt as much discomfort in that shoulder as i did before the limpia that's good yeah. so it's uh, i think she oh. just did it intuitively and didn't even realize what what was going on <laughs> she was yeah. guided yeah. by something She's else. Like a, she was like a healer. Maybe yeah. you're just like all the evil, not evil, but all the negative uh, energy is just in that one spot on you Maybe. for some reason. Oh, and you know what? Something point. to do with that. It, yeah. could, it, it could be that. No, uh-huh. I, I want to ask more about that egg ceremony thing. Yeah. Like, like, and um, is, does it have like a name? Like, is it something you call it? Um, I'm calling it the egg ceremony. A... It's probably not right. Uh, Olympia, Olympia, Olympia or, a, or Olympia? A barrida. It's um, just like a Olympia cleaning is basically or cleaning or cleansing. Uh-huh. I like to learn new things like that. Now, uh, does she do it every time she sees you or is it like special occasions or? Usually whenever what, what, what family members ask for it, um, like uh, two family members in particular that, you know, are under a lot of stress um, are, are usually the ones that go to her a lot. Um and it's usually if you're feeling like sick or just feeling really like just down and like some something's wrong, but you can't figure out what. Like it's not that you're not mm-hmm. sleeping. It's not that you're not eating. Um, that's usually like a sign of like you, you need to get Olympia. You need to get cleansed or cleared. So of, it can of be for energy. anything um, like emotional and like physical yeah. situations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And someone oh, just I kind like of that. throwing shade or negative energy at you. Like I feel like I've seen it. In like movies or stuff like that, like mm-hmm. I don't know if it's like voodoo or centuria or something like that, but I know I've seen like some kind of a video where people have done it. I mean, yeah. um, it, it could that's be. interesting though. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I know they they also do like um, with with one the one aunt that went before us, she uh, also went over her with uh, basil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, you uh, can do it with different herbs as well too. Uh, yeah. She did both the egg and yeah. the and the basil. Now, so. is it only for uh, the body? Like, would she do it to cleanse a house, like go room to room or anything? Kind of like people do with sage. I don't think. I mean, I don't think with an egg. At least not yeah. that I've ever heard of. I feel like it's hmm. only ever been the body. My dog is going nuts right now. You can I hear know, him, right? Dog, <laughs> that yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's because it's because my wife is uh, decided not to uh, wait for me to uh, to. <laughs> bathe our dog and so he's in the kennel oh. while she's uh, doing that so he's going nuts, <laughs> nuts okay. Okay. i don't mind it okay so yeah sorry we had just gotten a little like carried away with with this and we want to add no, it that was but... awesome i liked hearing about it so, uh, see i love learning new things like that so now i know well i know that we're gonna learn quite a bit with you too and hear some super awesome <laughs> stories so i want to get into 
introducing you a little bit and then I want you to kind of further introduce yourself I guess because I'm going to do a really crappy job <laughs> um, <laughs> okay and then um, and then we'll get into some paranormal experiences yeah all so right. all right guys so like I said at the very top of the show I'm super excited about this podcast or sorry super excited about this episode in particular um, we have Tom Stewart from my paranormal story and I found him just trying to find another paranormal podcast to listen to because as I said that's pretty much all that's in my ears when I'm listening to anything <laughs> really and uh I fell in love with it right away um and I binged it and now I'm sad that I have to wait every week for a new episode <laughs> <laughs> or longer um, I'm not very good at longer. being consistent <laughs> yeah well I mean the good thing is you also have another podcast that we'll talk about in a second um so yeah. I'm excited about that too. So I get double dose. Um, but one thing that I really love about your podcast is like it's super chill. I mean, the the stories themselves are like you know give you the creeps, but it's so nice to listen to. Like very relaxing. Like I could probably fall asleep and not in a bad way. Fall asleep listening to your horrible scary stories. <laughs> I was gonna say soothing voice, but you went oh, a completely different direction. <laughs> yeah, that's well, okay. Soothing, <laughs> soothing voice and the, the music playing in the background, but then the stories are like so creepy, <clears> which <throat> maybe have nightmares, but it's fine. Um but yeah it's it's such a great podcast that I want everyone to to go take a listen to. Um because I'm borderline fangirling right now, but I'm just like internalizing it. <laughs> I know it may not seem like a big deal, but well, when I really so like much. something, yeah, when I really like something, like it's I, I'm a fan. So, um, but it would let you, I'll let you introduce yourself a little further. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you enjoy it. Um, it's just it was just a it's just a fun little hobby thing that I started doing. Um, I'll tell you, uh, the podcast started because for many years I've just been casually telling people my stories, you know, a friend, a coworker, or a friend of a friend, or a few people sitting around having some drinks and something will come up and I'll say, oh, this is some, something that happened to me once. And I would tell my stories and people just got to know me from my stories. And I was like, I really should document these stories somehow. You know, like I thought about writing a book for a while, but then, you know, podcasts started becoming popular. And I was a big fan of the podcast Lore. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. Oh, with, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, and uh, I was like, you know, I like his podcast. He just kind of tells a story and he's not interviewing people and there's not three, four people all trying to talk over each other or anything. So I was like, I'm just going to do like an old timey sitting around the fire kind of spooky storytelling podcast, you know, except that they're going to be stories that, you know, are based on events and experiences that I've personally had. And so that's how I started doing it. And I just figured, uh, you know, a bunch of my friends would check it out, maybe share it with their friends. And um, and before I knew it, lots and lots of people have been listening. And every month I get more and more downloads. And I'm like, wow, I was like, this is pretty cool. And so, you know, I kind of used my stories and put it together with, you know, I used to work in radio. So I've got kind of a broadcasting voice and a background. So I kind of know how to write things and edit things and and how to speak so I kind of just put those two things together and, and just made this podcast. And I was I was just aiming to go for something different and something that people could just kind of lose themselves in for 15, 20 minutes, an episode. That's so, me. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah. So it's been fun. And what's kind of cool for me doing it is that, you know, at the time I had maybe 12, 14 stories off the top of my head that I could recall and then as I've been writing them and exploring my past and my memories and talking with friends and different things, other stories that I had forgotten about have come to the surface. And I'm like, oh, wow, I forgot about that. I'm going to do a podcast about that. Uh, and those things kept happening to me. And now it's like I'm up to like 50 episodes now. And I'm like, wow, there was yeah. a lot of weird stuff happening to me that I didn't <laughs> realize, you know. <laughs> And, you know, I mean, some of these stories, I do um, have some fun with them. I do elaborate a little here and there just so that there's an effect. Um, and there's been a couple of times where I kind of combine two stories into one just because, of you know, I want it to be long enough to be a story. Um, but for the most part, it's kind of been like a trip down memory lane for me. Um, and then, of course, I've got the episodes of when I was a paranormal investigator. I've got plenty of experiences from that that I can tell stories about, too. So, um, so yeah, it's been lots of fun. I'm glad people enjoy it. I'm glad you're loving it. 
Um, I love doing it. I wish I had more time and, um, and I wish the stories came to me quick enough that I could do like one a week, you know? Yeah. But it is a process because I got to remember it. I got to write it. Then I got to record it. Then I got to put music scoring on it and edit it and then, you know, produce. I mean, you guys know, you guys do a podcast, so you know what all that (laughs) that's like. So it's, you know, it can be two or three days combined time just to get one episode up there, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, So it's tedious. It was a lot easier when we were locked down during the pandemic because I had nothing better to do. But now I'm starting to get busier with my other jobs and yard work and whatever, you know, (laughs) but but it's been fun. I'm glad you guys like it. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's part of the reason why, too, uh, like the route we kind of took was no music in the background, kind of just to like, you know, us talking or talking to the person that we're interviewing. Talking over each other. Yeah. Talking over each other (laughs) sometimes. You you guys are doing an interview show. So, you know, you don't want to have music in the background or anything that's going to distract from you know, what you're talking about, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but it's hard when you get three people in three different spaces, you know, on one of these type of things, you know, what do yeah. you, what do you guys use? Some kind of caster Z- thing. Zencaster. Um, Zencaster. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, there's Zencaster, there's Zoom, there's, you know, all of them. Um, it's weird because when you're not in the same room, you don't feel each other's energy. So you'll end up talking over each other or there'll be a little bit of a delay or yeah. something. Uh, so it can be kind of weird. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, mean, I just wanted definitely... mine to be about myself. You know, I've yeah. got a studio that's big enough for me. I don't want anybody else in here, and, <laughs> you know. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit into the paranormal. Okay. And I always start with, or Eric, sorry, you have a face like you wanted to say something before we. No, no. I, I was waiting it. for your question. I, I was surprised that, you know, what? you hadn't gotten to it yet. Well, we were talking. Okay. Go, go. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's a big question. Yes, yeah. it's a big question. It's, it's the, it's the, it's the, the one every that, question. Yeah, it's the one that snowballs. Mm-hmm. It, you know, well, everything. it's it's the it's the the original question. Now we have another question that we have to ask because we're taking a end. poll. Yeah, yeah. But <laughs> okay. Go with the okay, original important question is: What was your very first paranormal experience that you can remember? Well, see, what's funny is. Um, that answer has changed since I started doing the podcast because I thought my first one was such and such a thing. And then as I started remembering more things, I started remembering things from when I was like five, six, seven years old. Mm -hmm. And those memories weren't even there. They were kind of suppressed until I started really digging. Um, So the first memory that I've been able to remember was when I was like five or six years old. And I, I mentioned this in one of my podcasts where I used to um, talk to the animals that were on my bed at night. But mm. they weren't animals and they weren't stuffed animals. I just used to see these weird, colorful animals. They weren't specific animals, like it wasn't an elephant and a giraffe or anything. They were just these weird, almost cartoon-like animals. And I used to sit up in my bed at night and talk to them. They were my friends, maybe mm. imaginary-type friends. Um, and my mother would often hear me in my room talking when I should be sleeping, and she'd come up. And say, who are you talking to? And I would tell her, I'd say, oh, I'm talking to the animals on my bed. And she would play along. She'd say, all right, well, you need to go to sleep. Animals, you need to go. And the animals would go and I would go to sleep. Like that's like oh, wow. one of my earliest memories. Um, it's weird. But to me, now that I think about it, I'm like, that might have been something. You yeah. Because I know Aliens. that the house we lived in at the time, I had some weird experiences. So that might have been my first one. But... Um, the episodes that I do about Swan Point Cemetery, those were always the real, like, first experiences I kind of had with, you know, um, with going to the Sprague um, tomb and uh, going to see H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's grave and things like that. That whole Swan Point Cemetery, I think I did a three-part podcast on that mm. one because just so many things that happened there. There was witches' circles in the woods and the whole place was just... Um, so many weird things happening there. When I found the the gate that disappeared on me, that oh, supposedly yeah. went into the tunnels. Um, those were some of the stories that I always used to tell. And I was probably 14, 13, 14, 15 at that time. So originally that used to be the one that was my earliest. And then when I started doing this podcast, I started remembering more and more things. I kind of became my own therapist through this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will say, yeah, talking about 
the paranormal or our experiences, at least for myself, Eric, I can't really speak for you, has like triggered or brought up some other memories that are like, oh, no, you know what? Like this happened. Oh, yeah, I remember this happened. So I know exactly what you're talking about um, when you're like actually forced to like sit down and think about it. Then all these other memories yeah. start popping up. As I well. think we're conditioned to block them out or suppress them. You know, like we when we grow up, you know, we see our imaginary friends and we see the boogeyman and we saw all these things when we we're kids. But our parents are they beat it into us that those things aren't real and you're imagining yeah. it. And and then I think society and our parents and family and friends, after, as we get older, we start thinking those things just aren't real. But maybe they are. And we're just mm -hmm. all brainwashing ourselves into thinking they're not. And and yeah. then when we start delving into this field of paranormal study, all of a sudden we start opening those doors again and start thinking maybe there was something to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's something that, that we've discussed multiple times on here before is, is what you just mentioned about, you know, when you're growing up and you have all these imaginary friends, like, you know, that your parents tell, you know, it's just an, it, it, it's just an imaginary friend and this and that. And, and you never know that child could be seeing, you know, the spirit of somebody who passed away or something like that, you know? And uh, I think, Michelle and I have both kind of decided, I guess, that if our children ever do say something like that, we we would try and like nurture that ability rather than kind of try and suppress it. Um, yeah. Just to you know, because I know we've had a lot of uh, we've seen things or we've heard things, and and where right now it's kind of like you almost kind of wish that it would have been something you could have developed at, at a younger age so now as an adult or whatever you, you're able to um understand it understand better? it better yes exactly mm. um rather than mm. barely start to try and figure it out like it's like like michelle said before it's like another language like when you're trying to learn another, another language you know it, it as an adult they always say it's more difficult because you know it's just harder for your brain to kind of wrap itself around a new language as, as opposed to children, they can pick up languages like, like it's nothing, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, there's actual science behind that when mm -hmm. you're a child and you're, you're everything about you biologically and psychologically, it's all just kind of developing. Mm -hmm. So if somebody is molding it a certain way, you're going to develop in that way. So if somebody is not forcing you into a certain direction, you'll be more open to consider other things. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, there's science behind the fact that children might be able to see things that we can't see because they actually do have better eyesight than us as adults. They have better hearing and maybe even better instincts of things around them, too, when you're younger. Um, so there's a lot behind that as far as biologically and psychologically that um, children might just be more in touch with things that are happening around them. And yeah, if you if it gets molded out of you, then when you become an adult, you kind of lose that sixth sense about you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, I almost wonder if what you saw when you were five were like elementals, since they didn't look like actual animals that are on the planet yeah. and they didn't look like humans either. If it was some I sort suppose of... that would be the best, uh, the closest definition to it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I just kind of think, I don't know, I think there are some entities, don't know what I would call them, I guess elementals would be a good one, but um, they may have just been trying to take a form that would be pleasing to me and not mm. frightening to me, you know? Yeah. So they looked like friendly animals with, with bright colors, like a stuffed animal would be, or like a cartoon would be to a kid. So mm. whatever it was that was being friendly with me, maybe it was just you know, taking a form that would be comfortable for me. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's it's something I don't think that's been explored very much. And, and it's hard to because when it comes to kids, it's hard to get credible information out of a kid because you don't really know if they're making something up or if they're just telling you what you want to hear or if they really know what they're saying. So mm -hmm. I guess it would be kind of hard to research, you know, through what only a child is seeing. Yeah, I know that makes sense. And then I think too, it's, it's hard because again, we go back to the parents. It's like, you know, you, you go to a person you're like, Hey, um, uh, your child is seeing things. Do you mind if I study them? You know? Yeah. I don't know how many <laughs> yeah. people would be willing to um, do that too. Yeah. No, I think you'd have to kind of be born into the, a family of uh, people who are looking to investigate and study things like that. Right. You don't think yeah. you're like yeah. strangers coming over the house with EMF detectors and, and 
tinfoil on your kid's head or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so I know that you, or you just also mentioned earlier, but I also wanted to ask about it was um, that you were a part of a paranormal investigation team. And, yes. and uh, I want to know a little bit more about that, but I also remember in one of the episodes that you said that you worked with taps aka ghost yeah. hunters yeah my brother loves yeah. them so he's like what oh, so yeah. i want to hear oh, yeah. more about that well i'm originally from rhode island which is where the taps group came from i mean that's where jason hawes lives still to this day and uh grant used to live in rhode island i think he's moved to michigan or something now but um i was uh doing paranormal investigation for a group called rise up paranormal um, I did it with them for about seven or eight years. They're still around. They're based out of Rhode Island. They've got chapters all over New England now. And I'm, I'm still close friends with them and everything. I just, I don't have the time to go out and investigate. <clears throat> and more so, I don't have the time to do the the tough work, which is analyze video and audio mm-hmm. and everything after an investigation. So, mm-hmm. um, so I had to kind of give it up, but I still... I'm still so in touch with them all the time that whenever they go on an investigation, I end up chatting with them about what they saw or what they were going to and things like that. They're such great people. And um, we just got to the point where we ended up becoming very friendly with um, the actual TAPS home team, which is different from the TV show. Mm. You know, the mm. TV show was the home team originally, like Jason and Grant and a few others. They were the TAPS team. And then when they became the TV show, they let some other members take over the TAPS home team with Jason overseeing the whole thing. So, you know, there's a woman named Tracy who runs the team now, and they would be the ones doing actual investigations for people not on television, you know, just Mm. actively still keeping the group going. So there were quite a few times where we collaborated with them on investigations, especially large ones where they needed some extra bodies and vice versa. If we had a big one and we needed the extra bodies, we'd invite some of the TAPS people on. Um, and they're such cool people. And, you know, and a few times some of the, the team that was on the TV show would, would jump in just because they like doing it too. So it wouldn't be uncommon to have Joe Chin or somebody like that pop in on an investigation with us and, and hang out. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it is really cool, um, to have, you know, we're, we're basically, we're in their backyard and we were coexisting really well with them. So yeah. it was fun. And, you know, and we got to compare lots of notes with them too, because, a lot of times we were investigating places that they had already been to. Sometimes even the TV show had already Mm. been there. And then there were other times where we'd been to a place that they hadn't been to, and then they wanted to go there. And so we would share notes with them and everything. So yeah, it's been a nice little uh, team effort. And uh, you know, everybody in the paranormal field doesn't always play nice together, but we've always had a a really good relationship with, uh, with just about every team around the area. And there's a lot of them, but especially with TAPS. That's good to hear because I know and we've interviewed a couple other investigators and it's always like a like a hit or miss, like how other teams are going to if they're going to be friendly or not, I guess you could say. Well, um, it was competitive so, uh, for a while. Yeah. It was very competitive. Um, you know, I mean, when it became the real big fad, when it was ghost hunters and ghost adventures and you had, you know, all these other shows on, too. I mean, for at a, you know, at one point there was like four or five shows really going at it and paranormal teams were popping up on every corner. It was like garage bands everywhere. Everybody thought they were a a paranormal (laughs) investigator all of a sudden, but nobody had put in any of the work. Nobody had done any education for themselves. Nobody had really studied the field. They just tried to imitate what they were seeing on TV. So, so, so for some of us who have been invested in this, like for all our lives, just watching people running around, filming themselves, trying to become famous, like the people they see on TV, it was kind of annoying. And, um, you know, and, and they were hurting for me, that's what bothered me the most was they were hurting the field of study. And there's, mm-hmm. there's still plenty of them out there now, but it's not as bad, but you know, there were people doing junk science and people who were going into, to strangers houses under the guise of, we're going to help you. And then automatically calling things demonic or telling them yeah. scary things that they didn't need to hear. And that weren't necessarily true. So they were really you know, the paranormal field is hard enough to move forward as it is because it's not considered a credible field of study. So when you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, people who are thrill seekers and fame seekers running around doing it, it was really setting back the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, I was definitely losing patience with it. I, w- I ended up being one of those people on Facebook fighting with people about <laughs> orbs and mists and 
all these other things. And then people were making up pictures with apps on their phone and mm. using talking boxes and stuff. And I just got to the point where I was like, you know, it's getting frustrating and I can't, I can't focus. And then once my life started changing and I started having to do other things, I was like, now's probably a good time to get out because I'm trying to juggle too many things at once. And then there's people that are aggravating me. So I think I'll just take a step back and, <laughs> and just do my own thing. And so that's what I did. I kind of just ended up consulting with people for a little while. Instead of investigating, people would just kind of come to me and tell me what they're experiencing. And then I would try to coach them, give them advice. If they needed help, I would try to direct them to a credible team of investigators that could help them. Um, you know, or I would say, you know, seek help with your clergy or whatever, you know, whatever religion you practice and things like that. And so I ended up consulting a lot of different people, nurses and, and people with homes and businesses they thought were haunted. Um, I was able to try to at least still be participating in the, uh, in the field that way. And, and nowadays I do the podcast and I still poke my nose into other people's investigations and things. Yeah. Well, Sorry, I was just, I'm just going to say something real quick and you can go, Eric. I was just going to say that I, uh, that was one thing that I heard on your podcast and you also just said it again right now that I really appreciate mm -hmm. is that a lot of paranormal teams are so quick to just call it demonic when yeah. like it could just be an asshole ghost. Like it could just be, yeah. he was a jerk in, uh, as a human and now he's a jerk as a ghost. It's not necessarily that it's demonic. So yeah, it's That's good to hear that. That's most likely yeah. what it is. Yeah. And not just exactly. that, but it also could just be you misinterpreting something. Yeah. So like I always give people, I always tell people the spirit is most likely just as scared or confused as you are, mm -hmm. whatever they are. I mean, we really don't know what's going on. I, I call them spirits because it's lack of a better word. We don't know what's going on. This could be some sort of biological projection. This could be some sort of dimensional thing that we're doing, some kind of a time skip. We just don't know what spirits, ghosts, these things are. But whatever they are, they're probably just as confused and scared as we are. So I always say, you know, think of a spirit as like a, a lost dog. You don't know how it's going to react, but it may just be reacting because it's confused and scared. It's not necessarily trying to scare you or, or hurt you. Um, so I don't really believe in demonic things. It's very, very rare that I would say, oh, I think there's something demonic here. There's been a few occasions where I'm like, yeah, whatever's here, it's pissed off. But most cases, I'm like, yeah, I think we're just misunderstanding it. Like, it it pulled your hair, but it didn't pull your hair trying to hurt you. It pulled your hair probably because it wanted attention. Yeah. You know, it pulled your hair because maybe it was trying to be playful, you know, like like boys do to little girls in school or something. <laughs> yeah. um, so I, I, I never, ever try to jump to that conclusion of something being mean or something being malevolent or, or, or demonic. Uh, to me, I just think people are doing that for the thrill of it. You know, yeah. what's better than, oh, we went on an investigation. Oh, my God, it's demonic. We got to go on Facebook <laughs> and tell everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you didn't do those people any justice by saying it's demonic. Now these people are afraid of their house. They're yeah. afraid to be in their own home. And you don't really even know that it's demonic or not. You know what I mean? Yeah, and now sure. you're going to have them running around looking for priests and exorcists or or digging up <laughs> looking for bodies in their yard. And it, it's just... um. <laughs> That kind of stuff just makes me crazy. It really does. I mean, you really got to eliminate everything thoroughly before you come to the point of demonic. Yeah. You know, and you're talking about belief systems when you go down that road. You can't just throw it out there like it's, you know, like everything's hot and cold or black and white. You got to really like needle it down to that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that I think we've been lucky to have um, the people that we have had on that are paranormal investigators. Uh, which is two groups, <laughs> uh, Joseph. And, yeah, no, I was trying, but uh, it's because Asalamuerte is technically not. But yeah, you're good. Yeah. Sorry, continue. <laughs> uh, and now you that that um, that have that have been that way that because uh, we also had um, oh my god, don't cut this part out. I can't remember. Oh his no, name. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, J, Jonathan, right? Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan. From we also had Jonathan on from uh, West Virginia. Say it. West Virginia Paranormal Investigations. Investigations. He messed yeah. up. Sorry, it's an inside joke. He <laughs> messed up the name in the middle of the interview, or right in the beginning of the interview, so it sounded like he didn't know who we were talking to, and it was very yeah, embarrassing. You got you to take notes, man. You got to <laughs> yeah. take notes and leave well, little And I'm usually notes. the note taker. 
Yeah, and well, it was hilarious. Um, you'll hear it when the when the episode airs. But in the very beginning, before you hopped on, we were talking. He's like, "Today we have John, John Stewart. Stewart," and I was like, "No, no!" no. And he's like, "I'm no. kidding, I'm kidding." That's my that's my funnier <laughs> uncle. Yeah. John yeah, no, but I was but, I was just messing around. I knew who we were interviewing today. I was I just wanted to mess with her. Um, he got me. Got yeah. me good. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, you know, they've they've been on here and they've said basically the same things that you have, you know, about, um, you know, investigating things and not just jumping to just automatically, oh, it's demonic or it's this or it's that. You know, they try and debunk things before they start calling things like, oh, it's a possession or it's, you know, this evil spirit or it's this or that or whatever it is. You know what I mean? And I and I think, yeah. And I've said it before, I think that's the best way to go about doing this to, to give it the most credibility that you can, you know, because if you, like you said, those other thrill seekers that are just doing it to try and get famous, that doesn't help the field at all. You know what I mean? No, so, it doesn't. And and if we really want to get any kind of answers in our lifetime, we have to have everybody kind of agreeing on things and working together on the things that we do know. Mm -hmm. And when you're an investigator if you're going to call yourself an investigator, you have to be an investigator. You have to go collect data, go through the data, and try to come up with some possible conclusions based on that data. Then you take those conclusions that might be possible, and you try to experiment, debunk them, try to repeat them, try to manipulate with them until you can eliminate some of those. And you mm. got to keep doing that process until you finally come down to there's only one answer this could be. It's paranormal. Mm -hmm. And if you go in thinking everything is paranormal, then you're not going to get to the bottom of it. And if you go in as a, a complete skeptic and think nothing's paranormal, you're not going to get to the bottom of it. Too many, too many people go into an investigation already with a preconceived idea of what they're going into. Like mm -hmm. you can't walk into a house and say, oh, this house is haunted. Let's go see if we can get a ghost to talk to us. You have to go in and say, just, you know, right even at zero, what do we got here? Let's just collect data and go through it. And, you know, you got to think of yourself like a, a like a detective, like you were going to investigate a murder scene, okay? You know there was a murder there, but you don't know that it was a murder. You have to collect all the data, and then you find out it was a murder, and then you have to find out who did the murder, and you, you go step by step, and too many steps get skipped too often in paranormal investigation. Um, but I have found that if you do it the right way, you will find so many incredible things. Like the thrill will always be there at the end, but you got to be patient to get there because mm -hmm. it's a lot more thrilling when you're able to spend a lot of time working on a case. And then you finally do get to that conclusion that, you know, that holy shit moment of this is paranormal. Like, oh my God, something really is going on there. You know, instead of just the fun feeling of, hey, we saw a ghost. Now you're like, wow, really? Something is happening. Mm -hmm. And that to me is so much bigger a thrill than, you know, being in a house and your hair door closed or something, you know, um, that's what it should all be about. And if we all kind of focused on that, we could probably move this feel forward. Mm -hmm. But yeah. like you said, there's too many people looking for fame. There's too many people looking for thrills. There's too many people that are willing to make hoaxes. Um, and unfortunately, since the beginning of time with this paranormal field, it's always been that way. There's always been, you know, people who were, you know, table tilters and there was always people doing spirit photography that was faked. Yeah. And there's always been hoaxers. There's always been people trying to use people's belief in the paranormal to become famous. It's always been that way. Um, we'll probably never be able to get away from it, especially with technology now. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can go on TikTok <clears throat> now and there's thousands of videos <laughs> of faked paranormal activity on there. I look yeah. at them, I just go, oh, God, here we go. Another new technology that's being abused for people to get likes, yeah. you know, to get followers. So, um, so, it's crazy. So then what is, uh, what's some of the clearest evidence that you've gotten uh, as an investigator that you're just like, there's no explanation, like this is a EVP or this was a, you know, wh mm -hmm. wh whatever it may be. What was some of the, um, the most obvious that you've gotten? For me, it's been um, uh, a good number of EVPs. But the only reason I can say definitively that I know it's a it's a genuine EVP is because it's been analyzed. It's because I know I was there, so I know who was there and what could possibly have made that noise or that sound or that voice. Um, and so, you know, 
like if I was to play an EVP for you and I could say this is definitely something that's, you know, in a disembodied spirit, like this was not a person, you won't know that for sure a hundred percent. You would have to go on my faith because you were there. You know what I mean? Right. So it's really hard to to prove the paranormal to other people because they're not there. Mm-hmm. You know, the only time you can really be a hundred percent sure of something, not even then, but the closest you can get to a hundred percent being sure of something is that you were there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I have heard EVPs that have blown my mind because I know for sure that it wasn't anything else. It couldn't possibly be anything else but something paranormal. I've I've seen things on video that had to be paranormal. You know, doors closing, chairs rocking, uh, things like that. I've had um, things thrown at me that I know the direction it came from. There was no one there that could have thrown it, things like that, you know. But there are personal experiences that I can vouch for, um, but I could never prove it in like a, you know, in court or in front of people, you know. So it's it's really hard to say. But yeah, I've definitely caught EVPs that I feel, we used to have a saying with Rise of Paranormal is we, we have evidence that's so good that it would be like the season finale on a TV show. And we, <laughs> and we throw it away because we don't consider Ugh. it good enough to be proof. Wow. So when we say that we have evidence of something, it, you know that it's like, wow, we have painstakingly eliminated every other possibility of this being anything but a spiritual or disembodied voice. Um, so, is there, yeah. Is there anywhere to see this evidence? Because I like, I, that, well, that's that's like the downside is like, yeah, there's so much fake stuff out there that like you want to believe something is real, but you're like, well, mm-hmm. I don't know. That could be fake too. I think- and, well, we the group has never and still has never been the type that wants to to gloat about anything. Yeah. Um, so there used to be a page on their website where they had, you know, they would put a little bit of a story about the investigation. They'd put some of the recordings of the EVPs or videos, but I believe they've taken it down. I think just because too many people are, you know, going mm. in there and being skeptical and yeah. trying to say, oh, you faked this or you're confusing it with that. And, you know, they just didn't want to get caught up in that. Like they they were never trying to do it for any kind of attention. So I think they, I think they just decided, let's just take it down. We don't need it. You know, we don't need to be showing this off. We're, we're helping our clients. We're achieving our goals. We don't need to have anybody emailing us saying, oh, that was this, or this was that, or trying to tell us what we're doing, you know? So I think that's basically where it's at now. But if, you know, if you listen to my podcast, the stories I talk about, with um, paranormal investigation, some of my past cases I was on, uh, so lots of times I play the EVP for you. Yeah. And I explain to you what's happening and, you know, what the situation was. And, th- and then, you know, it's up to you to whether you want to believe it's an actual, you know, disembodied voice or not. Yeah, I was uh, re-listening today and um, the, I think it was The Haunted Mill. I don't remember the name of the mill, yes. but it was the episode of yep. the haunted mill that like yep. the squeaking, like it sounds like a light bulb or like something rolling and like a wheel squeaking or something like that. Like that. I don't know mm-hmm. why it's just like it's not even a voice. tricycle. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Maybe that's why it creeped <laughs> me out. Like subconsciously, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. But for whatever reason, like it's just a squeak, but it, it the, like the, the mill episode. That's one of the best EVPs I've ever caught. It was very And that clear. was that was where the EVP spoke French to us. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. At the very end. The, when... the mill the mill was a very old mill, a few hundred years old, and it's in a place called Woonsocket, Rhode Island, which mm-hmm. was which was an, a place where lots of French Canadians came and settled um many years ago. And, you know, in the industrial age they they all worked in mills and factories. And um a lot of time back then there was a lot of child labor too. Mm. So we were doing an EVP session in the garage of this mill and it was the typical ask a question, wait for an answer, ask a question, wait for an answer. And then as we were wrapping it up, um, Ken DaCosta, who is the, uh, the founder and of uh, rise up paranormal, he was wrapping up basically saying, thank you for letting us talk to you. Da da da. And then he decided to speak in French because we were, we were considering these people were probably French. So at the end he said, merci beaucoup. And then we caught an EVP, of somebody with a French accent saying it back to him. So you hear wow. this yeah. other voice that's not any yeah. of us saying merci beaucoup back yeah. to us. And we caught it on three different recorders. I was on the parabolic one, which is a, a device that I put together myself. And I was going to ask um, you about that too. Oh, yeah? But okay. Yes. Well, I'll tell yeah. you about it. This is my next it, question. It's basically, it's a small handheld, it looks kind of like a gun with a big uh, dish on it. 
people usually use it for um, for bird sighting. People like to go out and look for oh, birds okay. with binoculars. They'll use this to try and hear the birds, and they know what bird is what based on the chirp. So they would use this with headphones while they're looking with their binoculars. And I took it, and I kind of rigged it with a splitter so that um, one wire was going to my headphones, the other wire was going to a recorder. And then basically on an on a, a EVP session or on an investigation, this parabolic would amplify all the sounds in the room, and it would be very directional. So it's only really focusing on the sound in this direction. It's not picking up everything else around us. Mm -hmm. So if I'm hearing a sound, I can kind of figure out where it is, you know, and I'm not only hearing it in real time, but I'm also picking it up on the recorder. And that's part of the reason why I know this Mirsi Buku EVP was a genuine EVP because I did not hear it, but you can hear it as clear as, as clear as day on the recorder. So that tells me, and this is my always been my belief on EVPs is that I believe EVPs are sound that is in a spectrum of sound that human hearing cannot hear, yeah. but a recording device can't because the recording device doesn't have limitations of, of sound like we do. So when you play it back, we can hear it because a recorder plays back into a frequency of sound that we can hear, which explains to me why a lot of EVPs sound distorted or they sound evil and slow um, because it's record it's taking something in a frequency and playing it back in a different frequency for us. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, I think that's why a lot of people confuse EVPs of something being evil and, and demonic because I think the frequency change kind of uh, manipulates Starts. it a little bit. Yeah, it yeah. distorts it a little bit. So the fact that I didn't hear it and should have because it was on the recorder tells me that it was in a spectrum of sound that we couldn't hear. And when, when analyzed, it did turn out to be something like uh, 13 or 15 megahertz. And anything under 20 megahertz, the human hearing can't hear. Oh, okay. um, because we oh, have a wow. range between 20 and 20,000. That's, that's human hearing. Anything above 20,000 is like a dog whistle. We can't hear it, but a dog can. Anything below, oh, see, your dog heard it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then anything under 20 is like ultrasound, and that's something we can't hear, but devices, recording devices can. Mm. So that was one of the coolest ones, only not just because of that, but because it spoke French back to us. Yeah. And yeah. there was no one else in the room speaking French, you know, like we didn't even think to do that, only he did. Mm. So that one was a really interesting one. Yeah. Eric, do you have anything or I was going to say something? No, I think the only other thing that I was going to mention earlier too as well where was the – I feel like to become a paranormal investigator, you almost have to do like an apprenticeship with another group. Like, you know, so you can learn, like legitimately learn how to – and I, I mean, and it's hard to say too because like how do you know the group that you're going to isn't one of those kinds of groups, you know what I mean? But like to go well, with a thing, group yeah. – Yeah, who who like you guys – who really knows how to investigate, who does it, I feel like the right way, uh, you know, to learn from them. Because I feel like if I ever wanted to do that, like I would have, to, like, it would have to be, I would, it would have to be legit. Like I would want to do it the best way that I could. Yeah. And well, then people like, people always after, ask me that, you know, mm -hmm. what's the best way for me to become a paranormal investigator? And I recommend that find a local team that you feel is a credible team, a team that, has beliefs that are similar to yours and you know, they're good people. You get along with them, you know? Um, and then most credible teams, if they're looking to bring on new people, they'll kind of bring you on as sort of an apprentice, mm -hmm. sort of like lay back and, and just watch us ask questions. If you're not sure what we're doing or they'll train you on things. And I did the same thing with rise up paranormal. I, I went into it knowing a lot already because I had read every book you could. I had studied people, who have been investigators beforehand. You know, I watched every episode of ghost hunters, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and I, and I also watched other shows like ghost adventures and shows like that and saw what they were doing and didn't like what they were doing. Cause I didn't feel like they were taking a scientific approach, you mm -hmm. know, and things yeah. like that or, or safely doing things. So, um, so yeah, so I, when I wanted to become a paranormal investigator, for one, I was doing it for the right reasons. If you're doing it for the thrill, you shouldn't do it. Mm. I was doing it for uh, two reasons. One, I felt like I had something to give to the field because I had experienced so many things. And I also had studied so much about it already. And I also just wanted to help people. 
You know, I figured there are a lot of people out there who are plagued by things they don't understand in their home, and I wanted to be able to help those people. And so that was my influence. And then so there were three local teams that I reached out to, and Rise Up Paranormal was the one that got back to me first. And when I went and met with them, I mean, it was like it was like we'd been friends the whole time. We all got along. We all had a lot in common. We laughed. We joked. But we all took it seriously, too. And uh, and it was just a really good partnership. You know, I was bringing something to the team that they didn't have already. And I was able to teach them some things. They were able to teach me some things. Um, and then for a while, I just kind of laid back and learned how to do EVP sessions, learned how to set up the equipment, you know, where what wire goes where and, you know, what are you actually doing with an EMF detector or what are you mm-hmm. actually doing with a thermometer and things like that. And then, you know, after a while you start becoming part of the team and next thing you know, you know, you're an investigator and um, it, it's, if it's really what you want to do, that's what you have to do is just kind of do your time, do some studying and f- try and find your direction with the right team. Yeah. I think I, I could be wrong. Cause I mean, the, I haven't seen the show in forever, but I, I felt like that's what they would do on ghost hunters too. At any time that they brought on a new team member, I felt like they were almost like training them. They didn't just immediately throw them in. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they were really training them or if that was right. just like, Hey, we're going to put you on the show, but you're going to be like a trainee right. type of thing because it, it was a TV show too. I think right. even though they were trainees, they still had lots of experience, but I think they kind of wanted to give that image because it's a good, it's a good practice for a team to do mm-hmm. that is when you bring someone in that's new, they should start out as kind of an apprentice, kind of start out as in training. Um, so it was, I think it was a good thing that they did that. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that some of those people on the show were really new. No, you know, like is... Somebody like, somebody like Amy Baruni came on the show as like a trainee, but she'd been doing it for like 20 years out in California. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and others just like that, like, you know, Dave Tango was just uh, uh, in training for a little while in the beginning, mm-hmm. and he had been doing it down in New Jersey for a long time. So you know, um, it's more it was for TV. Probably for the it was probably for the TV effect, but it was also a good thing, you right? Know, that was what I liked about Ghost Hunters was they were, you know, they were trying to get ratings, they were trying to be entertaining, and I think they were also trying to to do things the right way and teach people the right way to do things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's why I was kind of gravitated towards that show because, you know, they wanted people to, to be safe and they wanted this field of study to, to move in the right direction. So I, I always kind of liked that show for that. And I think ghost nation now, I think they still do that as well. Um, And, uh, and ghost hunters now that with grant with grant, I still think they're doing it in the right direction, but some of these other shows I think are, going in the wrong direction, unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, they're becoming yeah. more about the entertainment and less about the field of study. But if one I mean, of these networks would just call me, I've got some great <laughs> ideas for shows that yeah. would be not only entertaining, but educational and would, would be great for the field of study, but uh, yeah. no one's called me yet. <laughs> yeah. So if you know any producers, I, right. if there are any producers out there listening, travel yeah. channel, I don't care what channel, be honest. Um, <laughs> I've got some great ideas and, we'll get ratings and, and we'll, we'll find some ghosts. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I would watch. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think, yeah, well, and, and I think that's the downside is it, because it, it kind of blows my mind that I know we shouldn't name names, but ghost adventures. Ghost adventures. I've been yeah. the, the entire time I've been oh, waiting no. for you to just be like ghost adventures. I know. And you never know. did it. Okay. Cause now I'm doing it here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, no, it, it's just always blown my mind that I don't think that, they're going to sue you or anything. Right, they know what know. they're doing. <laughs> I know, seriously, but no, that that they're the more popular, you know. I guess, but just I, I feel like yeah. it's it's just because it's it's entertainment. It's it's that well, they kind of drama. they kind of went for a they kind of went for a younger demo, mm-hmm. and they kind of went for you know the Ghost Hunters was already out. So when Ghost Adventures came out, they couldn't just be the same thing. Yeah. You know, they had to be the next level from Ghost Hunters if they were going to be anything. You know, because other shows tried to come out and be just like Ghost Hunters, and it didn't work. You know what I mean? But Ghost Adventures was like, all right, we're going to kick this up a notch. We're going to lock ourselves into the building and we're going to call everything a demon and we're going to provoke everything. (laughs) And that as a, as someone who's a serious paranormal investigator pisses you off because those are like all the wrong things to be doing. And not only that, but a lot of people were imitating them and that was becoming dangerous and people were getting hurt because they was trying to do the things they were seeing on that show. 
But you have to look into these things too. Like, you know, Zach Baggins was a film major, okay? Filming things was what he did. He knows how to manipulate film and how to be on camera and all that. So, you know, he he knew what was going to make things more dramatic and what Mm -hmm. was going to make things more exciting. And so they were out for ratings, but you know, good for them. I, I, I'm able to, because I'm in entertainment business too. um, I'm able to separate who's doing it for entertainment, who's doing it for the actual field of study. You know, the only issue I have, I don't have an issue with either side. I have an issue with the fringe in the middle who are being put into a, a, predicaments that could be dangerous mm-hmm. or could you know hurt the field of study you know yeah. Yeah. so um you know because i see all these devices they use and i'm like those devices are garbage they're trash <laughs> you know any box that talks to you is not an actual investigation tool but it looks really cool on tv yeah. and it's really fun if you're out on an investigation and the box talks to you it's like oh that's so cool but it's really not evidence of anything and it's not mm-hmm. credible data at all Unfortunately. So, um, you know, you have to separate those two things, but yeah, I mean, you know, I used to like not want to name names too, but it's like, that's, that's, that's what it is. And, and, you know, they're they're smart enough to know what they're doing. They know what they're doing is entertainment, you know, and all these shows have become spinoff shows now too. And so the people who want to watch it and have fun, have fun with it and watch it, you know, but it's just TV, you know, (laughs) that's what it is. And that's and that's what I tell my sister too. Like I know she's not a huge fan of Ghost Adventures, but for me, Ghost Adventures is just like um, it's entertainment. It's something it's like, that it's, you watch to like get that jump TV. scare or get yeah, like Jersey yeah. Shore or something like yeah. that. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And Ghost well, Hunters, I, I still is... watch it because I do like some of the history they'll get into, mm-hmm. and I like some of the locations they go to are like dream mo- locations for a paranormal investigator to go to. Mm-hmm. You know, like they did the Cecil Hotel just recently. Oh. And it's like, yeah. oh man. I was um, trying to find that one, but I think that's only on their the the was it because I know they took a lot of their stuff off of Hulu and now they're just it, on. You can get it on the uh, Discovery Plus app. Plus, yeah. Um, let me tell you something. I they don't pay me for this, but that's the best app out there if you love paranormal. Every okay. paranormal show you can think of, and many you haven't even heard of, are on there. Hmm. Five dollars a month. I'm never in a shortage of paranormal shows to watch. <laughs> I mean, it's got all the ghost adventures. It's got all the ghost hunters. It's got ghost nation. It's got, um, what's that? Amy Bruni's new show. It's got, um, ghost brothers. It's got Osborne's. Um, it's got, oh, yeah. uh, the, the Files. recently. Um, <clears throat> it's got, um, skinwalker ranch. Oh, oh, I never so saw that one. I need to, I need to watch go, that. Go, go spend $5 <laughs> yeah. or do the free seven day trial on the discovery. Plus Just binge app. everything. <laughs> Uh, yeah. the, the Skinwalkers Ranch is like one of the best shows I've seen so far. Like I, they're really just just sciencing the crap out of it. I love good. it. That's like good. it's it's so geeky and nerdy. I love it. And there's not a lot of thrill going on because they haven't really had much happen. But mm-hmm. they're they're just collecting so much data, and it's just like it's like a nerdgasm. I love it. <laughs> you know? And I can't. I'm already. I'm already. I can't wait for the next season because yeah. it's it's something they're 24 seven monitoring. Um, that's awesome. That's that's how it should be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get that Discovery Plus app. It's it's the every paranormal plus. It's got all kinds of great true crime stuff on there. Okay. And if you like reality shows and reality contest shows, it's full of all that. The people yeah. in contests cooking things and cutting things and, and molding <laughs> things. And, you you've um, convinced me to spend five dollars a month and waste oh, more of my time. They should pay TV. me to be a sponsor <laughs> for them because I've turned so many people onto that stupid yeah. app. Yeah, Man, I love it. I love right now. I'm stuck on the Hosier files. Um, That's another Hans one Holzer. that I want to see. Yeah. Um, okay. The one that I put on my Netflix was the one that they they the documentary I guess that they have on the Cecil Hotel. Yes, I've seen. Oh, it. I haven't seen it yet, good. but it's good. I want to watch. The documentary it. is really good. Mm-hmm. It's better than the the Ghost Adventures thing because mm-hmm. you know obviously they. It's not as much of a ghost story as it yeah. is. A, a true, true crime like, story. Crimes, yeah. And obviously Ghost Adventures wanted it to be a ghost story. Mm-hmm. Um, but the true crime documentary on Netflix is really good about it. it um, was, but yeah. I did like part of the angle they took on Ghost Adventures was 
uh, the girl on the elevator. If you haven't seen the footage of that, you can, I you saw can find the it footage. on YouTube. Yeah. Yes, you yeah. can. It's and... it's pretty weird. And so Please. they, you know, experimented with the elevator game that it's called, where you oh, push yeah. buttons in a certain sequence and supposedly it brings you to another dimension or something. Yeah. Um, so they obviously, Zach had to do that, you know. Of course. Of course. And, I'm surprised uh, he didn't make, uh, oh, what's his name? Adam, Aaron. Adam, Aaron do it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, he was definitely doing that one. Oh, yeah. He, was yeah. he was definitely doing. It. I'm surprised he didn't buy the elevator and put it in his museum. I, yeah. I just just wait. Just give it a second. He probably will. Yeah, it'll be there. It'll be. I've, there. I've, I've visited actually. It was. It was have you been there? I, I want to go to it. I want to go because he's he's got some cool stuff there. No, he yeah he's got some cool stuff and there's like some, uh, I guess gimmicky like jump scare stuff and it's just like oh is there overall well I will say it I'm I'm not we always like talk about this like we never want to say that we're like sensitive or like we can hear a thing or whatever but i will say that like you can feel energy and ener- yeah ener- energies i guess like if if is if, if, if anything i guess you could say um but like the moment i walked in there i was good and then we had to wait in the the waiting area and i was like this close to for absolutely no reason like this close mm-hmm. to passing out like i had to sit on the floor and everything uh, started like kind of blacking out i was like what is happening like the, I, I wouldn't I be surprised if he has designed pumping. that museum to give everyone that feeling by <laughs> by manipulating gonna... shapes in the room by making like a funhouse effect almost yeah. and maybe EMFs. even he may even have like some <laughs> ultrasound vibe vibrations in the room that we can't yeah. hear but they kind of affect our feelings yeah um i would not be surprised if he did that because he seems like the type he's, he's well not just that he's the type but he wants yeah. to give people that thrill and yeah. you know just looking at things isn't necessarily going to be thrilling but if you can kind of give him that little bit of an edge it's brilliant, I think. I yeah. mean, it would. It's the ultimate haunted house to do that. It's, so it, he's smart enough to know those things and to do those things. I wouldn't be surprised if people walk in there and all of a sudden you're just feeling it, and it's because yeah. it's it's uh, it's probably man made. Who knows? Maybe not. I mean, there's definitely some objects in there that probably have a lot of energy on them because um, yeah. he's been to some freaky places and he's bought some freaky things. You know, he's got murdered things and the, um, yeah. No, there's there's it's it's uh. It was an experience. I, I want to now. I think part of it too was not knowing what to expect or not knowing what was in the next room or like what it was that we we're going to see. But I think now knowing what to expect, <laughs> I would go back and I'd probably be a little bit more into it because there's a couple like two rooms that I skipped because I hate haunted dolls. So I did not go into the Peggy the uh, doll room. I was uh-huh. like, I'm not doing yeah. it because it was like lined with other dolls. And that's like one of my biggest fears. Uh-huh. Um, and then there's another one with like a severed head that you have to go in individually by yourself and the next person can't uh, go in until you leave. And I was like, I'm not going to sit in a room uh, with a severed that's head. That's a great, that's a great <laughs> gimmick to do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just makes it that much scarier yeah. to well, it worked make for people me. go in, go make you go in yeah. by yourself and you have to just sit there with a severed head by uh, yourself. Yeah. Oh, awful. I love it. I love okay, it. I, I just mean, say I just, what you want about the guy. He's really, really good at this. He is. <laughs> yeah. it, it was good. So I guess you wouldn't want to go to the Warrens Museum and see that. Annabelle, I would. Would I you? Don't know. Yeah. yeah. For whatever reason. Well, I think. Yeah, I think just I don't know that I would feel safer there just because I know they're not Zach Baggins. I don't, feel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't trust him. That's a good point. That's yeah. A, unfortunately, you can't go to it anymore, and it sucks because yeah. it's it's just a short drive away for me, and I've never gone. Oh. And now since the Conjuring movies and the Annabelle movies and all those movies, I want to go so bad now. And, and it's not open anymore because um, it, it will be eventually. I think, um, is it their son? I think it's their son who's oh, going to yeah, yeah. move it into an actual museum at some oh, point. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just in the old house where the, the Lawrence lived. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know people who have gone and seen it and they, they say it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, that's something I'd want to check out. I was going to say this this woman over here is talking about how she didn't want to go into the haunted doll room yet she's mentioned and I think she's mentioned it on the podcast <laughs> that she wants to buy a haunted doll. So I don't know what the hell she's talking about well, not wanting to go into that room. There's there's a word for it. I can't I can't remember what what the word is, but so th- yeah, there's like this Etsy shop that supposedly sells dolls that have spirits attached to them and i was like well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm curious it's mostly curiosity but there's there's like a specific word for it where you if you have a fear of something you just like go for it head on and that's how you can get over your fear so i was like yeah. okay so i have to adopt a haunted doll so that i can get over my fear of 
haunted dolls, right? It makes sense. I don't think that's Hopefully. how it works. <laughs> or make it worse. <laughs> or make it worse, yeah. Yeah, because you, you're going to buy the doll, have it in its package or whatever, and then you're going to go to sleep. And then when you wake up, it's going to be sitting next to you. No, well, yep. see, that's, that's the thing about these dolls is like they're actual – they're like – people so if they like flowers you have to leave flowers if they like to be in a room where oh, they so can see like, everybody then you put they're them like in chucky the they're room. the soul of another person in the Pretty, doll yeah right? exactly because exactly. <laughs> that makes it a whole lot exactly. better <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> have you oh, not noticed man. this pattern about me brother of like wanting to mess with things that i probably shouldn't but i don't do it no so. i mean <laughs> but you're curious and yes. that's a good thing Right? You know? Yeah. But, you know, curiosity, curiosity killed, killed, the, killed cat, the cat. Right? Whatever. Exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. So we talked and we talked and we kept talking. So this is now going to be a two-parter. So I hope you enjoyed part one of our interview with Tom Stewart from My Paranormal Story. Eric? Uh, if you guys keep, a, keep an ear out, I guess, right? Yeah. Uh, for part two, I know you guys will will enjoy it. We we had a lot of fun in the interview. Oh yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, uh, so this gives you guys enough time to reach out to us and send in some stories. Again, they can be in Spanish, uh, and you can do that by going to webelievedu.com, dot com, putting it in the contact info, uh, sending us your stories. You can also listen to us. All our links are there for the to, to listen to the podcast, and you can find all our social medias on there as well. So go ahead, click on a link, get us your stories, because we want to hear them, because we believe. Do you 